Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast shares conversations, practices, and inspiration for returning home to your true self. I'm Sarah Elaine Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher, working mostly online using the traditional practices of yoga along with modern technology to help you create more ease and joy in your life. On today's episode, I chat with Erin Josie. Erin has been a student of yoga since the early 90s and has taught yoga and mindfulness for more than 20 years. She founded Source Yoga, a yoga studio in Tacoma, Washington in 2005. She's a yoga instructor certified at the 500 hour level and a certified teacher of mindfulness-based stress reduction. She continues to study, train, and practice, and makes time annually for silent meditation retreats. She is also a devoted writer who practices daily and is working on her first book. And in fact, our conversation today focuses more on writing than you might expect, writing as a mindfulness practice, as a way of Um, getting in touch with yourself. So we chat about writing. We talk about how to fit yoga practice, a regular habit of yoga into a daily, into your daily life, especially a busy life. Um, Erin shares the threads of writing and creativity that have been present throughout her life. And she shares some suggestions for creating a mindful writing habit. Erin has a couple of events coming up in October and they're all, they will be both linked to in the show notes. She's got a six week mindful writing course coming up and that's going to be online as well as an in-person retreat in Washington state. I hope you enjoy our conversation and this is just a reminder that the podcast is for inspiration and information. It should not replace medical care or advice. Hi Erin, welcome to the Homecoming Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. So this month on the podcast and in my online therapeutic yoga membership, we're talking about falling back into the habit of yoga and not just yoga as hamstring stretches and warrior poses, but yoga as a practice for reconnecting with your true self. And you have more than 20 years of experience as a yoga and mindfulness teacher. So I thought you'd be a great person to ask, do you have ideas on how people can fit these practices into their full to overflowing lives? Such a good question. Um, You know, I do really feel like our practice, if we can relate to it, like there are seasons of our practice um, and some seasons we might find that we are like really dedicated strongly to daily practice or weekly practice. And then sometimes we fall off. Like we find ourselves consumed with the busyness of life. We find ourselves, maybe we're traveling. There's just a lot going on. Summer is definitely a time when um, a lot of people find that other things are taking priority, whether that's 
being outside, whether that's going on trips, being with their family, friends. Um, I've got kids. So summer is definitely a different, (laughs) a different season. My kids are around all the time and, and trying, you know, following their rhythms as well. And, you know, I, I like to give myself, so kind of bringing that back to to myself and my own practice, like I, I try to give myself permission to let there be seasons mm-hmm. of my practice. So I think at a certain time in my younger years or um, kind of earlier years of being a yoga meditation practitioner and teacher, like I held it like it had to be a certain way. It had to be a certain number of minutes of meditation and a certain number of a certain number of times a week where I was on my yoga mat and um, and could really feel like actually a lot of kind of self judgment or self criticism when that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, as I've been a practitioner for longer, I find that I'm able to give myself a little more permission. And, um, and even kind of a sense of like, what, like that my practice might change, it might not be, there have been seasons where it has been a lot of yoga asana, and seasons where uh, yoga asana has not been the focus of my practice, maybe it's been meditation, for some time now, my practice has really been a dedicated writing practice. Um, So not that yoga or meditation is gone, but it's just the focus has been more on a writing practice. Um, So as we kind of move in, there's this natural inclination, right, this time of year, as it does become at least in the Pacific Northwest, where both you and I are, um, starts to be a little cooler and damper and darker darker (laughs) there is I think this real inclination to move inward and move you know I own a yoga studio and I will tell you the summer months are very quiet in the yoga studio you know people are out people want to take advantage of the beautiful weather while we have it right and then it's very predictable as the weather turns that classes start to be a little fuller. People are coming back into the habit of their practice. Um, so I guess, I'm not sure I've answered your question. <laughs> I guess what I would say is like, per, like giving yourself permission for there to be seasons of practice and flexibility with your practice. And, um, you know, like, asking yourself what is really going to serve me right now and ground me in this you know here we are in this like very transitional time of the seasons what kind of practices will ground me yeah yeah yes I really appreciate that you talk about that talk about it as seasons and like sometimes they literally match up with the seasons (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't Um, but yeah, that's, that would be, that reflects my experience as well. Like 
it, it kind of ebbs and flows. I'm getting over that perfectionist tendency <laughs> where if I'm not doing, you know, whatever unrealistic expectation I've set for myself that I'm failing. Um, and my practice uh, is much different in my late forties than it was yeah. in my early twenties. Yeah, it, me too. it looks different. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I love, I love that permission and the flexibility for people to offer themselves. I I mean, I will say sometimes we do need more intention behind our practice, like flexibility, permission, super valuable. And sometimes it's like, oh, I know that I need like the structure Mm. of my practice during this particular season, right? And especially when we're coming off of summer, which can be a little more like (laughs) loose, right? (laughs) Um, Like it might actually serve us in this transitional season to to hold a little firmer structure around our practice. Okay, I am gonna, you know, like I said, my kids went back to school this week. So it's like, okay, I'm getting up at six now so I can have like an hour before I have to get into like the morning routine with my kids. Right. So there's a, there like whole, I'm holding a different structure for my practice mm-hmm. as we transition. Yes. And this just came up in a class recently. We were, we were talking about how, you know, some of the people in the class, like literally feel the change of season in their bodies, like Mm. how the pain flares up. And then also that sometimes the anxiety can flare up, like Mm. just like the physical pain might flare up the, the mental emotional stuff can also flare up. And yeah, having that container, that structure of, um, some self-care practices can help us transition through that time. And then before we know it, it's the holidays. (laughs) Especially important time to like hold some container of uh, time for self, right? When it's so easy to be pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah. So you mentioned writing as one of your Mm -hmm. practices. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your history as a writer, and then we'll get we'll get in a little deeper to how how that works in with your practices. Yeah, great. Um, so I have always been like writing has been a thread through my whole life. The first thing I ever wanted to be when mm-hmm. I was a kid was a writer, um, and like over the years, explored a lot of different creative practices, Um, you know, got really consumed by theater in my middle and high school years. Um, Performance was really important to me. I studied dance in college. So there's always, you know, really deep dive into um, choreography, creating dances, um, and ex- dabbled, I would say dabbled in like visual arts. Um, that's never been a real focus, but, um, you know, creative expression has just always been really important to me. And, you know, my my life really took a different turn post-college. Like I, I really thought I was going to 
graduate from college with my degree in dance and that I would go on to like be in a dance company or create dances, or maybe I'd go and get my master's in dance. And I discovered this little thing called yoga. (laughs) And so started, I had, I had done some yoga, taken some yoga classes in my college years, but really started to practice yoga and meditation in a dedicated way. Um, I guess this was early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And um, really went down a different path that was creative in its own way, but not in the ways I had been, you know, exploring creativity for most of my life up to that point. Um, I started a yoga studio in 2005. Um, So had my first child in 2006. So then it was quite a few years of being pretty consumed with running a business and being a mom and holding a household. And um, it did feel like creative practice kind of got away from me in a sense. And at a certain point, I really felt like there was something missing, like that that I had let go of this thread that had mm-hmm. felt so core to who I was. And, you know, creativity came out in different ways, but it wasn't for me. It was like creativity through my business, like mm-hmm. I'm creating something, I'm you know, I'm writing a blog post, I'm um, figuring out how marketing like has a certain creative element to Mm -hmm. it. But it was all in service of like this business and in my home, like things that I was created to children. (laughs) But, um, you know, like the piece that felt like it was really missing was this like creativity for me, like Mm -hmm. for no for nobody not for caring for anybody else, um, but really this very personal experience. And so I'd say it was maybe five, 10 years ago, started to really pay attention to that, like listen to that and um, started to do more specific writing for myself and carving out time that was dedicated for my own writing practice. I started to compile things that I had written over the years um, and, you know, with the intention of creating a book, which I'm not going to lie, it's been more than five years working on this book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm like page by page, little by little, draft by draft, working on it. Um, but also really started to explore writing as like, what if I'm not writing um, to create something specific to share with the world, but like writing as practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people have like a journaling practice, um, which has definitely been a thread over the years. But I started to really try to write in a way that was like, I would I would call it like parallel to 
mindfulness practice to meditation or to mindful yoga, um, which really was like writing with this intention of um, just being fully present to the experience of writing, like present to the experience of the pen in my hand, you know, present to the experience of the pen on the page, present to um, the things that were arising in the writing practice inside my own experience, right? This kind of awareness of both inner and outer experience as I'm writing. Um, I have been greatly inspired by um, Natalie Goldberg. She has a book called Writing Down the Bones, and she is a Zen practitioner and a writer, poet, writer. She writes about writing quite a bit. Um, I highly recommend, particularly that book, Writing Down the Bones, is a real gem. And she puts out some um, guidelines for writing practice that I have kind of adopted for myself in my own writing practice. And I share it when I teach mindful writing. Um, and really they're about like letting go of judgment mm -hmm. while we're writing. So we're not editing. We're not, we're like, keep, keep moving forward. Keep the pen moving. We're letting go of judgment. We're letting go of um, needing it to be a certain way. We're letting go of the editing process. And I would say, you know, the, the creative process of writing, just getting words on the page is a very different practice than editing. So <laughs> editing is a very different practice. And so if we can keep those, those experiences somewhat separate, it can be, I think, more generative, more creative. You can, I often find that I write things that surprise me, myself, you know, I'm, like, oh, I didn't know that was even there inside of myself. And if if we're writing from this, like trying to get it right or thinking about it too much or editing the editing mindset, um, it can really inhibit or limit our like our experience of flow, our experience of um, just just creative expression. Yeah. So. So yeah, I've I've been trying to like uh, bring that thread of that practice that I've been exploring into um, into my teaching a bit. I um, have through my own studio have led some mindful writing um, classes and series. I've brought it into retreat practice and and then we'll be sharing it with um, Adosa Wellness out of. Portland, um, Carol Grimes, beautiful studio. Yeah. So I'm still trying, I'm still trying to, to get a grip on the mindful writing. Um, sometimes when I practice yoga in the morning, something will come up and I'll journal afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, is that mindful writing? I would say if you are present while you're writing that's mm -hmm. mindful writing okay so there are no when... rules oh I need the <laughs> that's rules that's what I want to say 
how will I know if I'm doing it right? (laughs) (laughs) That's so much our conditioning, right? Like our perfectionism, our like, we're so many of us, I, I would say particularly women have like this very ingrained perfectionistic trying to get it right. I'm not going to say nature. It's not our nature. I feel like it's conditioning, right? Yeah. And my experience of um, writing practice or what I've been trying to really explore through writing practice this last few years has been like, what if we could let go of that perfectionism or trying to get it right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I led a retreat recently where I really focused on creativity as mindful practice. And I had a friend come on the retreat because she wanted to come on a retreat and she didn't even really read the description. She just signed up for the retreat. Right. And then the first night we're like, I'm introducing this theme of creativity as mindful practice. And she's like, Oh no, (laughs) I am not creative at all. I just wanted to come on a retreat. And um, (laughs) the interesting thing is, is she, over the course of the weekend, like there was a real process of letting go of that. Like, I've got to get something right. I've got to, like, I'm not good at this because I'm not doing it right. And, you know, we did some collaging, we did some writing practices, and she shared something that at the like our closing circle that she had written that was like mm. just beautiful, like you know, from her heart and very authentic and um just this beautiful expression that she didn't even know was really possible. <laughs> yeah, amazing. If, if someone wanted to try mindful writing or a mindful writing habit, do you have suggestions? So we've got the book t- title and I'll put that in the show notes for people to check yeah. out. Um, I guess I'm, so I'm familiar with what the morning pages from the artist's mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's, if your familiar. practice is something like that mm-hmm. or if there's prompts involved. So um, yes, morning pages is certainly from Julia Cameron's the artist's way. That's how it really, that's how I, I would say that was probably the first real exposure to this kind of practice that I had many, many years ago, reading the artist's way back, really, I think in my college years, um, great book, great resource about nurturing our own creativity. Um you know, one practice that I usually lead at the beginning, like the first practice that I share with people when we're exploring mindful writing is like a brain dump. So Mm. this is a practice of literally like no holds barred, just getting everything that's in your mind out on the page. Like it's basically word vomit. Nobody's ever going to see this. You can burn it if you want to. You can recycle it. You can throw it away. There might be little gems in there that you don't expect, but this is just like get the stuff of the mind out on the page without judging it, 
without analyzing it, without making it mean something about you. It's just like, I mean, it literally could be a list of all the stuff you have mm. to do. It could be um, all the things that you're worried about. It could, like, I do this actually when, if I wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep, I'll try for a while. Mm -hmm. And then if it's, if I can tell it's just not happening, I'll get up and I'll do like a brain dump. Like here's everything that's in my brain right now. And then inevitably I get it on the paper and I can go to sleep after that. Um, so that's a really simple practice, especially when we feel like we have a really busy mind. If we have a lot going on, maybe we're particularly anxious about something or about many somethings, like just getting it out there can be really helpful. And then, you know, in my mindful writing course, we do a little brain dump every class. But then we also um, explore um, some movement and some meditation mm -hmm. practices, helping us get into a more embodied state, like really experiencing our own bodies. The meditations that I guide in the course are um, sensory focused. And then I'll usually offer a prompt that is sensory focused. And so I find when people can have an experience, like they've, we've moved our bodies in gentle ways, have a more um, kind of a, a, a deeper sense of our own, like inhabiting our own bodies, and then explore something, whether that's like sight, like really looking and seeing and taking in through our eyes or sound, um, taste, we'll do an eating meditation. Um, when we kind of dive into our senses, very often like the, the writing can really flow from that experience in, a, in, a, in an easier way, right? There's so many, also, you know, like a sound or a smell or a taste, like there's so many memories that can arise from sensory experiences mm -hmm. as well that people find that they start writing and it's like, oh, I can't even believe that memory arose or that, you know, these things were tying together in my mind can be really um, a great experience for people to kind of tap into things that maybe they haven't before. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I get, I'm getting there. I'm getting an idea of it. <laughs> and you mentioned the um, writing course you have coming up with a dosa. And I will link that as well in the show notes called writing your way home. I think it starts in October. We're in 2023 mm -hmm. right now yeah. and it's online. So anyone, anyone, yeah. anywhere can do it. And yeah. Anything else you'd like to say about how that course will be? I feel like we've gotten a good idea. It sounds like there'll be movement, there'll be meditation, there'll be writing prompts. Yeah. Um. So it will be like live streamed. So we'll meet as a community weekly, which I, I think is really um, 
great to be in community while we're doing these practices. Um, there can be some discussion. It's not a requirement in the course, but it hearing what other people are experiencing, sharing yourself can be really a valuable practice as well. Um, there's also, I will be sharing some on-demand content so people will have some of the practices that they can go back to. I will mm -hmm. say the live stream classes will be recorded. So if somebody mm -hmm. had to miss one, they could watch it and not miss anything. Um, but I do encourage people to try to be there live and in person. My experience with online, offering online things is mostly if people don't catch it in the moment, they often don't go back. <laughs> so my, yeah. my recommendation is to be there for the live classes. So there will be on-demand content also, which will, um, you know, I'm going to share some recorded practices that people can, some movement practices, some, um, some uh, meditation, some guided meditations, and some writing prompts as well. Uh, so people can use those or have access to them anytime. Nice. Okay. Sounds good. You also have a retreat coming up, um, an in-person retreat up in, I think, Washington state. Is that also in October? It is in October. Yeah. Yep. The 19th through, oh my gosh, it is the 19th is a Thursday, whatever the Sunday is. Yeah. 19th through the 22nd, I think. Um, and so I love retreat practice. I love going on retreats myself. I love leading retreats. I feel like the time where we actually really step away mm -hmm. from our day-to-day -day lives is just a real gift of like hitting the pause button, hitting the pause button in life and um, really making space for contemplative practice, meditation, yoga. Um, I often bring in some journaling or writing practices as well, although this particular re that retreat coming up, that's not the focus. Um, and I also bring into the retreats that I lead um, silence as mm. practice. Um, when I first started bringing silence to my students, my regular students, there was some hesitation. Yeah. There was some little nervousness from people. And I started with like a one day retreat, like one day silent retreat. I had a student who was um, like her, she, she came on the retreat with her two daughters and they were all like, who's gonna like break silence first. <laughs> they all did great. <laughs> they were like, she's a talker. Her daughters are talkers. Um, <laughs> And then after she had that experience, she was like, I can do this. I can do, I can be silent for a day. And then she came on some of my longer retreats as well. And, um, you know, we'll do a couple days of silent, of being in silence. And it's really an opportunity to, um, like, we've removed, oh, I will also say I invite people to have the retreat be a tech-free experience. So turning their phones off, 
not just silence, but like not looking at it for the weekend. This is increasingly a, um, you know, I would say when I first started leading retreats in maybe 2007 or so, people didn't have, yeah. better, people didn't have smartphones. <laughs> so it wasn't an issue, but as you know, over the years, it's become like, we're just increasingly tied to that form of technology. And so it's, it can be really radical, even just that for people just like shutting off their phone for three or four days. Um, and so we've like silenced the amount of input mm -hmm. that we have on any daily basis, the news, social media, all the stuff that's going on in the world, like, it's okay, it will be there when we get back. And, um, and then, you know, very often, like speaking and being in groups, being in community together and speaking, super valuable to be in community. And it can be a form of distraction, mm. right? Like, we get chitty chatty with people. And before we know it, we like have eaten a whole meal and haven't even like registered what we've eaten. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, because we're distracted by talking, by listening and talking. So this gives people a real opportunity to um, like minimize distractions what can we be really present to if we're not mm. just distracting ourselves all day long? And like the foods that we're eating, the um, the space that we're in, the environment, the sounds that we notice. Uh, I lead my retreats out at a retreat center called Harmony Hill, which is um, on the Hood Canal in Washington state. Beautiful, beautiful retreat center view of the Olympic mountain range mm. over the water. Um, and it can, and it's just, it's extraordinary to be there in this beautiful setting and not have all of our distractions, right? Yeah. And yeah. Be in nature. Um, Follow-up question to that. So if you're doing two of the three or four days silent, are you talking? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good question. I do get that question sometimes. <laughs> I forget. I forget that that's not entirely clear for people sometimes. And they'll show up on like night one. They're like, are you going to be talking? Are we just all in silence? No, I'm guiding the practices. And, and I always have it available for people. Like if, if something's coming up for you, it's, you can come and talk to me. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't want people to be like suffering. <laughs> in their silence. And, yes. um, you know, it can be, it's not, it's not always easy. Like silent practice, silent yeah. retreat practice is not always easy. Um, and that you don't have to do it alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The silence. I, as soon as you started talking about it, um, I noticed a big change with online teaching. So I've taught restorative mm. yoga for, for years and held silent spaces and been totally comfortable with that. And, yeah. you know, of course the final relaxation pose, Shavasana and silence. And 
once I switched over to online, it got harder for me mm-hmm. to hold the the silence. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's been a shift and a, a practice to get back to that. Yeah, I can relate to that with online teaching. I definitely feel like when I started teaching online, I was talking much more than I would in like an in-person yoga class. And I, part of it was because I couldn't see people. (laughs) Like mostly people have their videos off when they're taking an online yoga class. And I don't know what they're doing over there in their, on their mats. And, you know, I don't know if they can comfortably do what I'm offering. So I'm offering like a lot of options. Yeah. So then I found like, oh my gosh, I'm I just like, I need to shut up a little bit. <laughs> like giving every possible option and like talking through all of these things. At this point, I have like pretty dedicated students who are reliably online. I know that they're taking care of themselves. I know, you know, it's a little easier yeah. to dial it back. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, Erin, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk with you. Do you have any final parting words for us? Mm. And it's totally fine if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, it's just, it's been really sweet to have this conversation with you. I've actually been um, listening. I listened to a few of your podcast (laughs) episodes. And this morning I listened to, I was delighted to see Rosemary Watola Tromer, who many people know is this amazing poet. Yeah. And um, I was like, so delighted to hear her voice. And um, because I literally had been reading one of her poems in my classes this week. So I thought maybe maybe I could share her poem. (laughs) I would love that. Yes. I just want to say about Rosemary. I don't, I don't know that my listeners understand like how humbling it was that she came on the, on the (laughs) podcast and how like amazing that was for me. I know I was literally kind of fangirling while I was listening to that podcast. Like, Oh, I can't believe she gets to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah. It was amazing. I love her. And I would love for you to share one of her poems with yeah. us to close. So I, I love poetry. I, sh- I love sharing poetry. I love reading poetry in my classes. I feel like, I mean, you know, writing, reading words, like there's so much available for us in like slowing down and listening. Like I feel like listening to poetry can really be a mindful practice as well. And this poem i love um it's really about it it's very appropriate for this transition of seasons that we find ourselves in right now and like end of summer beginning of fall so um this is her beautiful poem shavasana once again the field rehearses how to die some of the grass turns golden first some simply fades into brown Just this morning, I too lay in corpse pose, practicing how to let myself be totally held by the earth without striving, how to meet the day without rushing off to do the next necessary or beautiful thing, 
Soon the grass will bend or break, molder or disintegrate. Every year the same lesson in how to join the darkness, how to be unmade, how quietly we might lean into the uncertainty, how generous the ground. So thank you to Rosemary <laughs> and thank you to you for inviting me to be on. Yeah. Thank you, Erin, so much. It was a pleasure to have you and we will link to all, all the things in the show notes. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the homecoming podcast. The Homecoming Podcast is brought to you by the Homecoming Online Therapeutic Yoga Membership, where we put a lot of these things that we talk about on the podcast into practice. If you'd like to read more about the Homecoming Membership or join, the link is in the show notes. This episode concludes our September theme of falling back into the yoga habit. Next month, we'll be diving into conversations and contemplations around reducing the suffering or letting go of some of the mental and emotional suffering in life. We'll also be doing this in the online membership. If you've got questions or comments, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you and I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much.